Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. I'm super excited today because I got a good old friend of mine with me today. I've known him for well over a decade or two uh, and really enjoyed our relationship. And I wanted to have him on today because he's such a fascinating dude. He's super involved in his community. His clients love him. His staff loves him. His association loves him. You're going to love him. He is the principal and agency owner of Boone Ritter Insurance, and they have now expanded into four other locations across the state of Arkansas, and they do a great job. And I just wanted you to hear from him and how he's doing it. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy, without further ado, my conversation with my man, Brian Klingskills. Brian Klingskills, what's happening, brother? Uh, just... Fighting the battles, man. How are you doing? Fighting the battles. What kind of battles you got going on up there? <laughs> trying, trying to uh, stay uh, compliant for our, all the uh, CDC guidelines for allowing people to come in our office. That's been a chore. It must be because you probably do have a lot of your clients that enjoy coming in and out of the office and seeing your staff and you have good relationships with the community. Is that tough for y'all? Yeah, it has been. And and our clients have done a good job of not coming in unless it was absolutely necessary. But we do, you know, we're kind of located in the heart of the city and we'll get people that are driving by and stop in just to come in and say hi or do whatever. So, so we get maybe a little more foot traffic than some people do. Yeah, I've noticed that. I've, I've called on you for years now. And every time I come by, I feel like it's like always a party at Brian's office. There's always somebody, <laughs> there, somebody hanging out, some of your clients there talking with you. So but anyhow, before we get into some of that, I would love for you to take a walk down memory lane with me. And uh, let's go back as far as you want to and tell my audience a little bit about Brian. Sure. I'll, I'll go back to how I got in the business, if that's okay. Uh, so our agency... Uh, was started in the late 60s by uh, Mr. Sandy Boone and Mr. Jim Ritter. And Jim Ritter was my great uncle. And my dad worked, funny enough, he worked for another agency in town. Um, That agency was bought out by what was then Rebsman Insurance. And at that point, my dad didn't feel that was a good fit for him. So he jumped over and came over to Boone Ritter. So lo and behold, I've got two brothers and a sister, a stepbrother and a stepsister. And he was dying for one of us to come in and work in the insurance industry. And none of us wanted to. I mean, none of us wanted to. That was the last thing we wanted to do. Uh, But when I was in college, I was, I had worked in the local grocery stores growing up and my dad really sat down and talked to me and I told him I'd give it a shot. So I would work a few hours in the agency to get a little bit of experience, but still go to college full time, still work at the grocery store. And I was kind of managing a little bit at the grocery store. So it wasn't too hard to labor work for me at that point. And on a Sunday night, kind of what triggered everything in motion was we were held up at gunpoint and robbed. Um, and there was just, as a small grocery store in town, an old small grocery store. And there was only, I think five of us there at the time. And, uh, two guys came in, you know, and I, I was 21 and then everybody else was like 16 through 17 years, years old. So, you know, can you imagine 21 year old me being the, uh, the head guy there? I mean, I don't know what those people were thinking. Um, but anyways, they tied us up. It was kind of a life-changing experience. Well, you're kidding. I've known you a long time. I've never heard this story. They tied you up like the movies? They're ski mask on too? 
They did. I mean, and uh, the guy stuck the gun. The guy stuck the gun in my face, and it was a revolver, so you know I could see the bullets in the gun. I knew it was loaded. So luckily, they never pulled the trigger. We all made it through, but I I quit that night and uh, decided maybe I'll give this insurance career another look. And that's kind of what started. Uh, you know, I started working there a little more, a little more, a little more, and then found that I really enjoyed working with people. And um, so that's kind of how I got my start. And he made me start at the bottom. I was doing the mail. And uh, back then, we didn't have everything automated. We had all the mail that came in. I had to pull files on every customer, file, make sure their files in order and put the policies or changes in the paper files. So I really did start at the worst possible job. And then over the years, worked my way up until eventually I bought the agency. And uh, he, when he retired, he made me, uh, you know, he didn't give me a break. I had to, had to pay for it full market value. <laughs> he went out and got the value and said, take it or leave it. So I took it. <laughs> and so does that make you, okay. So you, you said your uncle, your dad, was your grandpa in it too, or just. No, um, it was, it was, so Boone Ritter insurance would, would have trickled down that way through my great uncle, through my dad and then me, but we've, the Ritter family is my dad's, uh, mom's side. And, and we've traced back to like 1908. We found a picture of some of their family members standing in front of a, a storefront that said Ritter insurance on it. So the family's been in the business, you know, for ever. So in some form or fashion, and you like me growing up said, there's no way I'm doing insurance. <laughs> no way. I and mean, I think that's how most people are, honestly. I mean, it, it doesn't sound sexy and exciting, you know, when you're, when you're younger, but in all reality, it, it can be, it is pretty neat. It's pretty fun. I like learning about, especially on the commercial side where you learn about businesses, you never would have known what they do or how they did it. And so a lot of that's really interesting. I'm not an expert in any other business, but I know a lot about a lot of other businesses. Yeah. So I know you said you're going to start from when you got into business, but part of that was college. Did you go to U of A? Is that why you're a big college? Yeah, I went to the U of A. You know, I mean, it's right here in my backyard. So that's where I went. So, so always. Yeah. Born and raised in Springdale. Mm-hmm. So you never really left. You never lived outside of Springdale, Fayetteville area, correct? I haven't. I've lived here my whole life, and it's a great place. I, I can't imagine living anywhere else, to be honest with you. I, I got to one point in my career where I thought maybe I wanted to, to move and make a change, and I started looking around, and I decided, man, nah, I've got it pretty good here. I think I'll just stay. Yeah, and you've seen a major growth there in northwest Arkansas in the last Yeah, absolutely. When I, you know, give you an example – when I was growing up, I remember our town population sign saying, you know, 17,000, 18,000, 20,000, you know, now we're 80,000 easy. So it's, it's really exploded over, over the portion of my insurance career. Yeah, and, and, that, and that was just Springdale. Yeah. One of the things I remember when I was first getting in the business, uh, shortly after I got in, there was contractors turning in keys. They couldn't, you know, there was a big mortgage crisis of problems up there. A lot of it originated and started up there. Now the most problems up there. Were you in the business during all that? Were you selling? Absolutely. That was a really bad time. I had bought, I probably had owned this agency for about five years when that hit. And I'd also bought a second location right before it hit. Uh, I bought an existing agency in Salem Springs. And um, 
So that hit and we were very, very residential contractor heavy in our book of business. And so it was, it was some slim, slim times there for a while. You know, luckily we've got a pretty good book of personal lines that, you know, most of that we hung on to. And uh, if nothing else, it taught me a big lesson. We really diversified from that date moving forward. I mean, we really, really found other markets, other things to try to go out and go after and, and didn't concentrate so much on that residential con, but you know, back then it was easy to write. They, they just flooded your door. I mean, it was just everywhere. You could write somebody. So, and we were guilty of. And people that are listening to this right now that don't know you or people that do know you, you can tell you have that, that people gene about you, that you love people, you love talking to people. And I know you well enough. So, but people that are listening, you sound like you'd be a good salesman. Is that something you feel like came from your family being in the business? Or is that something you ever envisioned you'd be a salesperson working in the grocery business before this? Is that something you always wanted to do? You know, not really. Um, in fact, growing up, I was more of an introvert than I was an extrovert when I was a kid. I really was. I, I had to really retrain myself to be confident enough to walk up to somebody and talk to them without knowing them. Um, it's not really a problem for me anymore, but growing, you know, we, and I, my brothers and I were close in age. So, and I was in the middle. So maybe I just had a little bit of that middle child syndrome. I don't know, but I, I was not the one. I mean, I had my core group of friends and I was comfortable with them, but anybody knew sometimes was a little bit of a challenge for me to, to kind of get up the courage to talk to them. So it was, a, it, it, I did have to kind of relearn some things and, and work on that. Wow. That, I know I you found that hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just, you know, I was telling you earlier, you know, we're probably going to shorten this down because we'll probably talk for two hours, but that tends to happen when you and I get together, whether it's in your office or over dinner or drinks or whatever. But um, I just find that fascinating that you were an introvert at one point. So, um, <clears throat> again, calling on you over the years, I've heard stories of, and tell me if this is true or not, of um, you would, ne- there'd be days you would go down, you could see a construction site and see stuff going on. Is it true you might stop by there and pass out cards to whoever's <laughs> laying the foundation, whoever was doing the bricklaying, whoever was doing the the plumbing or the HVAC. That's something you would truly do? Absolutely. I did. I, I, I would do that just on a whim. And other times I would, I would see what my general contractors were doing and I might show up at their site and, uh, you know, I'd bring, you know, we used to back in the, back in the old days before we could carry a laptop with this or uh, even, even the phones weren't as, as sophisticated as they are now. I would take quote sheets with me and sit there. And as they, walk to their truck or something, I'd try to get them to fill out, fill out all the questions and answers. And then I would bring it back and quote them and call them. So, uh, we, we did a lot of that back in the day. Yeah, that was always the joke of when we'd work with Boone Ritter, you could tell whenever you were out prospecting, we'd get a plumber one the same day as <laughs> that guy and the bricklayer and the mason, whatever it may be. We knew when you were out hustling because we, <laughs> you know, all those, I think that's fantastic. So you, is that something you would say you attribute to early success for you was not being afraid to cold call? Yeah, I do. I mean, there that, you know, and when we, if we hire a new producer, that's always the challenge. How confident are you to walk up to somebody you don't know and ask them if you can take a look at their insurance? And, and we, my approach is probably different than a lot of people. I, I'm not a high pressure salesperson. I, I try to, I try to walk in, say, look, 
here's who we are. You've got a good business. We want to, we want to work with you. If you ever want us to take a look and see if we can't help you, we'd love the opportunity. And that, you know, that's usually my first speech when I get in front of an owner or manager or whoever it may be. Um, and just try to try to connect with them on a personal basis more than, hey, I know I'm going to save you money and we're the best. You need to go with us. Um, and, and that's just always the way we've kind of taken the approach of, of doing it that way. So you'd say you're selling more on, you're selling more Brian. Yeah, you we, are. you know, if you've ever heard me, and I know you probably have, because I've given one or two speeches in front of insurance people before, uh, almost almost 100% of the time, the word that comes up is relationship. And it's, it's with that customer and it's with the carrier. I, I believe that you've got to have that relationship and that partnership on both sides. Um, so we, we really concentrate on, on, on cultivating a good relationship with our carriers as well as our clients. They're not just a policy force. We, we know them, we know their families, we know medical struggles they may go through. I mean, it's, it's, it's that type of relationship that once we get them, it tends to make them stay with us, even if they shop it and get a cheaper quote. Um, you know, we, we just build up that trust and, and that relationship. And I, I would imagine most agencies, good agencies do that as well. But for us, it's, it's worked really well in, in all of our locations that we have now. So, so you, would, you would say you'd stack up your retention numbers next to anybody out there. Yeah, I would say a lot of times that number may not tell the true story because sometimes there's clients we do want to go away. Um, as bad as that sounds, I don't mean it to be real negative, but we all have clients that either take up way too much of your time that you're never going to make your money back on, or they're just a lost problem and you need to find a way to get rid of them. So we keep, we generally keep the ones we want for sure. And then we find ways to run off bad business. You know, that's fascinating. I've heard other agencies trend lately or what, but I've heard other agencies as I've done this podcast and gotten to know other people is firing clients um, to say, yes. you know, either at capacity or they're trouble children. And, you know, I'm not saying you should ever call out any of your clients right now and, you know, but, yeah. but there's those out there. And for those agents out there that are either new in the business or that haven't quite understood that concept, what does that look like for you? And how do you think that's made you more efficient? Well, I'll, I'll go back to when I bought the agency because this is where I learned that lesson. Um, so my dad knew he had a retirement date and he knew. So for about three years, he knew he was going to retire on this date. And at that point, we were going, we had gone through some hard markets. Carriers were hard to come by. He was not looking for any new carriers. It was status quo. He was not producing any new business. He was just trying to hold on to what he had. Well, that became babysitting a bunch of bad clients. So I could see all this developing, but you know, I was not the owner. Um, so as soon as I took over and, you know, we lost my dad and stepmom, both retired. Um, and we were a small, small agency. It was me and three other people. And I ended up having to fire one of those people right after I bought the agency. So we started looking at our book and we had a handful of clients that were just not good clients. So I got on the phone with them and, and some of them were a decent premium for our little agency. And I just got on the phone with them and said, we're not going to be able to continue this relationship. Your renewal is this day. I suggest you 
start reaching out to some other agents to who, who can help you, who have more resources. You know, I, I, I tried to say, we can't call you every month to tell you your payments due. If you don't understand that and do it on your own, we can't do that. You know, it's, it's takes up too much time because, you know, that's just going to end up getting you in an E&O. I mean, you know how that works. So that had to have been hard for you as a new agency principal, new owner, and you're trying to build your book, but yet you had to shrink it first. I, it it was, of course, the clients didn't quite understand that. And one or two of them might've called me a few choice words, but, you know, uh, looking back on it, it was the best decision we could have made at that point. And it, we made it blindly, not knowing, we just knew we could not continue doing business that way with those clients. They were dominating our time. We weren't making really any money off of those clients and, you know, Part of, part of running a successful business is making a profit, and that was a big hindrance. So it was just a decision I made, and even my dad, when they called my dad, they were his old clients, and they called him, and he came down to the office and said, "What are you doing?" And I had to explain to him, "Well, here's why I did it, and and you know I, I I'm going to stand by it, and I'm sorry if that makes you upset, but this is what we need to do." And you, you know. Time and history show that it was the right decision, even though I wasn't 100% confident at the time. Right. So, and it's interesting you say that because I haven't had a whole lot of commercial agents on my my podcast yet. And so, I know from me being a commercial agent myself a few years ago, working in contract, that's one of your big niches is contractors still to this day. And with mm-hmm. contractors comes certificate and it comes, you know, a lot of, of hand-holding, not hand-holding, but a lot of work. So how a lot of service determine? work, yep. Yeah, how do you determine from there? Can you tell pretty quickly within the first six months or first year of relationship if they're going to be a hard time or is it something? Tell me about that. So for, for my new clients, it's a little easier since I've been doing this for so long. And usually my new clients are mostly referrals or I've done my research on the company before. And I kind of know pretty much what I'm getting into when I walk in. Um, not always, of course, but I have a pretty good idea. So, so for my clients that I write personally, it's usually, I kind of select where I'm going with that. Um, with some of my producers, that's not always the case, you know, and I get it. They got to eat. So they've got to sell. Um, we've had pretty good success with not getting overrun by service. But if, if we've got something say out of one of our other locations, and that service gets to be a little too much, they can shift it to our Springdale office and we'll help them out with it. Um, so that's been, you know, that's, that's been a, a big help. My staff in Springdale is pretty sharp. You know, I've got some people, seasoned people that understand my philosophy and what I want done and they've bought into it and they believe in it too. And, and so they know that service piece, a lot of times it's best just to take care of it and get it out of the way than to procrastinate and let it sit there and, and just drive you crazy where you can't do something else. Um, so we're not perfect at it, I guess, to answer your question, but we can usually tell within, you're right, about six months and every once in a while we'll get one and it's like, wow, this is maybe not the best decision. Let's see if we can sit down with them and train them. And if we can't, then maybe we figure something else out. Now, so, and, and you know. Right. So, question. You um, bet. Would you say, okay, if you're going to, and this is for other agents listening as well, and I'm asking you, if you're going to 
fire clients, so to speak, or let some go. Do you have another agency in town that you refer them to? Or do you work with a captive or somebody else you refer them to? Do you need to have those relationships? Or is that something you just don't <laughs> A lot of times that depends on the client. If it's bad enough that we've got to part ways, um, we usually would not, re we have a pretty good relationship with our competitors up here and we would not send them somewhere. Now, sometimes we do it because little game between us, sometimes we get sent stuff and if we can pay that agency back, we'll pay them back. <laughs> you know, it's never anything really, I don't want people to think it's anything really bad. It's just always one of those uh, little, little games between the agencies here, but, uh, and we are on good terms, thank goodness. And, and that's, that's been, a, that's been really helpful to my career too. I've been able to go to agencies in my own town and talk to those owners and, and gain advice from them. So, you know, that's, it's just, it's a great thing that they're willing to do that. And, you know, not every agency, but there's, there's some good folks here. So uh, that also brings me to one of the other things that if anybody knows Brian, uh, if you don't, I'm going to introduce you to the first time. A big thing in your life is agency associations. Um, when I first met you, you were still a young guy and still involved in young agents. Um, and as you told me earlier, now you're a little bit older, but you're still heavily involved. But that role or that part of your life has played a huge role in your life, I should say. Uh, being a part of Big Eye, PIA, stuff like that. Uh, what say you, I mean, what can you tell me about that and that relationship, what that's meant to you? Well, my dad was, again, you know, uh, following him. He was on the board of directors for the Big Eye when I was working for him. Um, you know, and I guess they got desperate and they needed some young agents to get on the young agents committee. So my dad said, yeah, Brian will do it. And, uh, when I got there, I really saw, cause I didn't know much about how the associations worked. Um, and I, and it really, I got to see a little bit of that. It opened my eyes. I, I saw how they cared for their agents, how you could connect with maybe members of carriers that you couldn't by sitting in your office and so I decided to kind of stay with that and eventually became young agents chair, moved up to the board, became an officer and eventually was president of uh, our state association for the Big Eye. And currently I serve as our national board member for the Big Eye. Um, and I will tell you, and, we, and you know this, we bought an agency. I didn't know much about the PIA. We bought an agency in Cabot that was a PIA member. Um, there was a big question of, well, do we stay dual members? Do we move to one? What do we do? And after talking with that agency owner, um, we decided we'd just be, yeah, exactly. He wasn't at the time, um, but we decided to stay a dual member. And then he called me and he said, I've got an opportunity to be on the PIA board. What should I do? I said, you should take it. And, and do a good job at it. And so I encourage that and he's still on the board today. Um, so, you know, we've, it's a unique situation um, where we, I feel like we're friendly with both associations and we have members on the board of each. Now, what people probably don't, won't, will find surprising, we never get together and talk about what's going on. You know, when we get together, we're talking about work and what, what I can do to help him and what he needs from me. And we, by the time we do that, there's not a whole lot of time to talk about. So tell me what's going on. You know, I read it in the newsletter is how I find out what's going on. I read each newsletter. So it's a really interesting relationship. And I'm glad that both associations have been open and accepting to, to that, to the fact that we are members of both. Um, yeah. But 
you know, really early in my career, I would say that was a big deal. You know, I alluded to the fact my when I bought the agency, my dad had kind of not really, we were stuck with a bunch of carriers that weren't doing anything. And so my involvement with the association, I mean, every chance I could, I was cozying up to a company going, hey, this is who I am. I'd love to talk to you. We need, we need this. And you seem like a good fit. And all my carriers that I do business with now that are our go-to carriers were, were, that's how I got them over. There's one carrier. It took me several years to get them to buy in and they're our largest carrier now and it's all commercial business. And I mean, they're a tremendous partner with this. And, and, you know, if I had not been part of an association, I don't, and, and, and I went after them at both meetings, whether it was a big I meeting or a PI meeting, I was found out where they were and I went up to them. So it was a, uh, without that, they never would have, I don't think they ever would have came and talked to me. I had to, I had to go find them because we were a small, pretty small agency when I, when I bought it and took over, we, we were down quite a bit. It, it needed, yeah, I, it needed something. I worked for uh, one of your carriers for eight years, nine years. Uh, and we knew that when a submission came in from Boone Ritter that a, you were most likely going to write it if we give you a competitive quote. And number two, whichever underwriter you always loved working with you always knew your staff was going to do it right and you just always made sure at conventions whether it's big i or pia or any other event you would cozy i've seen that and so other agents listening talk a few minutes about how why that is so important to have that relationship with that underwriter especially on the commercial side well the way kind of the way i look at it is they don't know me. And probably if you average the numbers, underwriters probably have a handful of agents they really like to work for and will work hard for them. And then they have everybody else. And with us being, you know, at that time and and still, even if you, there's a couple agencies up here, they're just extremely large agencies. And so we can, it's easy to get overlooked in my territory. It, It really benefited us to get to know them on a personal level and let them get to know us on a personal level. That way they felt more comfortable with this. And, you know, the proof's in the pudding. We, we, if we send something to you and say, hey, this is a good account, here's where we need to be, and we'll get it, and that worked, you do that a few times, then they're, they're going to trust you. And if you burn them, you know, on something, it, it's always a tough situation. And that's one of my management, uh, I don't know if it's a skill, that's probably the wrong word to use, but when we get an account of any size on the commercial side, I like to know what it is and what's going on with it. Um, and that may be a little too much for some agency principals. They, they don't want to touch everything. But I want to know if we're going to one of our core companies, hey, is this something we want to send them? Or are you trying to send something in that's hairy and not really, you know, not saying producers ever do that. But again, they're, they're trying to sell policies. They got to eat. Um, so I like to be involved on anything that's got some size to it. And we've, we've had to stop some submissions before, but I think that has gained the trust. Like you said, the company that you worked for, we went through several underwriters during that time period, but I felt like we had a great relationship with all of them. And we were, yeah. And we were man, we managed to write a lot of business. You really did. And I would say, I would ask you, you ever find yourself, because I know I did a couple of times as an agent, tailoring even a risk, not just necessarily to the company, but also to the underwriter. If you knew a certain Absolutely. Underwriter, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't mean to, to cut you off, but uh, that's, that's absolutely true. You know, I knew 
I knew some of our under by, by spending time with them, you would find out where their strengths were and what accounts they were really comfortable. There's, you know, I find it kind of, I don't know why, but I find it hard that a lot of underwriters are so uncomfortable with any type of garage policy um, and not, not, a, not one of the quick ones that you can not an auto repair shop. That's just, you know, a few employees, but there's, if it's something that's a little different, they're very, very timid when they start working on it. And, and then I find that in my agency, I've only got a couple of people that are comfortable quoting them and working on them. And, and we wrote a lot of them when I was coming up. So I was, I'm very comfortable with them. So I knew like on a garage risk, I might, I might, I might know what underwriter to stay away from and what, what company to go to. Cause I knew they had experience with that. But yeah. And, yeah. And, I know that um, some of the companies you've even gotten to know up up top. You know, I know one absolutely company you work with. You're you would say personal friends with the branch manager of that company, and uh, I know the same with the old company I worked with. You knew the, the upper management people as well, and that's something I would imagine is intentional on your part, getting to know even management, not just underwriting. Correct? Absolutely. I, I want to know as best I can, and as much as they'll let their guard down, where they come from, what they really want to see and what they really want to do. Uh, a lot of times you think you're uh, aligned with the company, but they have a totally different direction that they want to go. And, and they're not always going to tell you. They're not always going to be an open book, but sometimes just, you know, you get that personal relationship with, with them and, and you can get a better sense of, man, I really feel like company A is going to come down with some big increases pretty soon, the way they're talking, the way they're acting. So we need to really be watching that. You know, it's just kind of the little things that they'll tip you off on and maybe accidentally. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, those relationships are just to me and for my size agency, they're, they're crucial for us being successful. Now, I, we've talked about construction a little bit. Uh, is there any other particular networking uh, or intentional in? We don't have uh, another niche per se. We 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 know what we do well, and we target that stuff. Um, we're not going to be a long haul trucking insurance agency. We know that there's people out there that do that better than us and have more experience than us. So we're not going to chase that business. But your everyday general type business, we know we're good at it and we know we have good company partners that know how to write it. And so while we're not, uh, we're not chasing, you know, the, the largest accounts out there, we're, we're chasing good quality with good premium accounts out there. And, and that's really where we, how we target and how we go after stuff. And if we have success with a certain business, then yeah, we'll feel more comfortable going after a few more of those. And that's what I was going to say. Knowing that you're good at what you're good at, do you target certain industry associations or other avenues to get to know those, whether it's construction workers better or construction accounts better? Do you get involved in those local associations? You know, we we have, um, and I would say that it's not always been a successful thing because, you know, if you think about it, Heath, uh, other agents are doing that too. And so now you run on top of about three or four agents that are trying to get in there and it's a fight. And, you know, just just to be quite honest, if, if Boone Ritter's in there and then there's a large agency out of Little Rock in there and, and the association's located in Little Rock, I'm probably not going to win that battle. Um, unless yeah. I've got a very good relationship. Yeah, I noticed uh, when I was an agent, I went into, uh, I was trying to get involved in hospitality and I went to a big hospitality meeting and I walked in, 
the first 10 hands I shook were my competition right there at Little Rock. So Absolutely. I knew right then and there, okay, this is this is not going to work for me. Um, and so it, it proved a year later after joining, it, it didn't work out. So I wondered if you were intentional that I know you're very involved in your community in Springdale and I know you're involved there. Is that more of a chamber of commerce deal or is that more of a rotary? Or is that just more just being involved because you've lived there? Um, a lot of it is chamber of commerce related and a lot of it is, you know, civic club related. Um, yeah club I belong to I looked around one day and went and we were having our lunch meeting and I went I think I write everybody's in here's insurance at this point <laughs> and there there's a lot of insurance agents in that club but you know we just it just happened to work out if you stay involved and they uh get to know you um they they find you know again building that relationship they trust you I mean you know, it's kind of one of those things where I like to tell a story to some to, to new people getting in the business about that. Um, there was an account when I was really young and it was a nice size account and I would go in there. The guy would let me quote it. He'd give me everything and I'd work my tail end off and I'd bring him a quote better than what he had. And he was with at the time one of the Rebsman agencies and he would not switch that. I bet I did that three years in a row and we had a great relationship. I wrote his personal lines and he would not give me that account. And so after the third year, I was a little nervous to do this, but I just looked at him and said, okay, are you ever going to give me this account or do I just keep getting it cheaper for you every year? And he looked at me and he goes, you know what? As long as my current agent is in business, you're probably not going to get it. And he goes, but I respect the fact that you asked me that question. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If he retires, you're the first phone call I'm making. And I'll be dang, two years later, the guy retired. He called me and I wrote the account until the guy got it, sold the business to a national uh, company and I lost it that way. So, you know, you just, you just got to keep, you just got to keep trying. Right. And uh, so what would you say, uh, being involved in the community, like I know for you, and I've said it, back to our relationship we talked before you take like i know there's a, a trip to vegas that you go on with some of your people <laughs> with some of your clients would yep. you say you have that relationship with a lot of your clients or a select few or most of your clients that trip is a select few and i can't get into too much detail on that trip um but uh yeah we've got uh i would say not every client you can have that type of relationship with but we really work to develop that kind of relationship with our, with our core clients. And, and I'm sure most agencies do that. I mean, it's, it's, we find ways to do stuff with them outside of work. Um, you know, and just like with the COVID challenges going on, we'll call them, check in on them, see how they're doing. And, you know, when the PPP loans rolled out, we were sending out emails, making sure everybody knew they were aware of them and to apply for them. And especially our book, a restaurant business, you know, that, that, that industry got hit so hard. So, you know, we, we try our best to maintain that relationship above and beyond. It doesn't always work, but you know, for the most part for us, it's, it's, we've been able to be successful at it. So, you mentioned COVID. So tell me, and I know, okay, let me back up a minute. I'll have to okay. this out probably, but I will ask you this. Okay. You talk about relationship and I know from calling on you, I know that your, your staff, you've had some long-term staff there um, that have been with you a long time. And so obviously the relationship you have with your staff is important to you as well. And so tell me about your staff a little bit, how you've grown. I know you've bought, you mentioned Cabot earlier and you've mentioned Salem Springs. You have another one in Searcy, correct? Correct. So um, talk to you a little about your staff 
what the importance to you to have that relationship and have that culture that you have or with your agent? Yeah. So when, if we bring somebody new on and, and everybody that's here now was hired after I bought the agency, um, we, we have a conversation, you know, we go through the interview process like most people do. We have a conversation about loyalty and trust and culture. Um, and it got to the point where I kind of would team interview because I wanted the rest of the staff to go, yeah, that person's going to fit in. We get that vibe or, hey, this may be a bad choice. I don't know that they're going to fit in with this. So that, which makes it hard when you're looking for insurance talent because you know how scarce it is already anyways. Um, but and, and we've done it both ways. We've hired people who had plenty of experience, people that had just a tiny bit and people that had none. Um, and so that's how we've developed our staff. And really for the last, golly, 10 years, Heath, we have just, just got some great people. I mean, we get along. We like to do things together outside of work. Um, and you, you've known me long enough to, you know, I like to kind of cut up at the office a little bit when I can. When, uh, when there's nobody in here, uh, we'll, we'll joke around and have some fun. Um, then get professional when we need to get professional. Um, so, you know, we, and I've always had that, I got to treat them like family, you know, that's just how I think of them. Um, they know if, if there's something going on and they need something outside of work, they can come in and talk to me and I'll do whatever I can to help them. You know, it's that kind of relationship and that's, that's across the board with all four of our offices. Um, and it's just, it's a good feeling to have knowing that, you know, I'm kind of a workaholic. I like to be here. Um, I like to work a lot of hours, but knowing that if I did take off to go fishing or whatever it may be, I'm, I'm in good hands. I'm in good hands. They don't, they're going to take care of me. You feel like you're, you can trust your office as an extension of you to take care of everything. Absolutely. Uh, I really do. I mean, there's, there's things that they're going to want to ask me and they'll, and and they'll text me or call me or whatever, or email me, whatever the case may be. And and I've told them that's fine. I I encourage them to do that. I don't want them to make a wrong decision if they don't feel comfortable about what decision they came to. So that they they know that I'll, and, and my customers are the same way. If you, if you're one of my clients and you call me at seven or eight o'clock at night and I'm in a position to answer my phone and not at a school function for a kid or something, I, I'll answer my phone and talk to you and we'll, we'll hash it out. And um, so, you know, we do the same thing for the employees. I mean, they've got access to me 24 seven. I mean, if I'm asleep, I'm not answering the phone, but they can call me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. So it, it, you say that it's, it's uh, totally the truth guys. If you're listening, uh, you bought an agency in Cabot, uh, a good friend of mine owned it prior, and immediately when you came in, you know, of course, there's a little apprehension when you purchase anybody's agency, but immediately the staff there that I knew that was there, we love Brian. Brian's amazing. Brian does this. Brian treats us well. And then you hired somebody recently within the last couple of years that came on from another agency. Like, Brian's amazing. We love Brian. Brian's this. So, I mean, what? how do you manage an office from three hours away, two hours away, whatever it may be? and still have that relationship with them, what would you say that you is your superpower in that arena is? Well, I try to get down there. Even if I just pop in, and, and what's funny about that is I usually don't tell them I'm coming, and I just walk in the front door. So, you know, that kind of gets them to be on their toes a little bit. It's kind of funny. 
but I will, if I go down there, I mean, the first thing I do is sit down with them and say, how are you guys doing? What, you know, not, not talking about work right now. How's, how's everything going? Is y'all okay? You need anything? And then we'll talk work. Um, and then I'll do whatever I can for them while I'm there. Um, and then if I'm not there, you know, I'll check in with them. I'll text them, call them, email them. Just, Hey, how's it going? Y'all need any help? Uh, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, cause a lot of times, those offices are a little bit smaller and they get a little overwhelmed with service work. And I want them to know that if they are overwhelmed, take advantage of our Springdale office that has more people that, you know, if you need something done now, we might be able to put something to the side and do it for you. Um, and, and I think that helps a lot knowing that they have that kind of support waiting there if they need it. Um, you, you look at Springdale, it sounds like several conversations you've brought up. They're kind of a home office for you. Uh, exactly corporation type deal. Um, they're the home office and they can use home office employees, so to speak, to help with certs or help with endorsements or service work of any kind. Uh, that's pretty cool to have that. So I know you probably never dreamed that you would own four locations when you first bought. Absolutely it. not. I mean, you know, the <laughs> my goal was man, I got to find some carriers so I can write some business. That was my goal when I yeah. bought it. And uh, don't burn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me make it through the first year. Golly. Uh, and you know, I've got, you know, my, my office manager, I, I have to give her credit that, that, that takes care of me and does such a great job. Um, she was working for me from, for day, from day one. And she's, she's, so she knows me better than anybody. And so it, it is helpful to have her because if people have a question and may may not want to ask me that question, they can go to her to feel, you know, and they're going to get the same answer. She knows how I think. So they may feel more comfortable having that conversation with, with a manager than the owner. Um, so she's really, and you, you know who I'm talking about and you know her well, she's a, she's a superstar. Knowing the, the lady we're talking about, your office manager, I feel like if I were you, I would, do a good cop, bad cop type situation with that person. I'm sure you do that, uh, but is that something that you are able to do? And do you play the good cop role or the bad cop, or is that flip-flop? Um, we absolutely do that. Um, and it's really funny you bring that up because we had a conversation yesterday afternoon about a couple of minor situations that we needed to do that. And yeah. so she – I'll be honest with you. She likes to play bad cop. So that, that makes my job easy. I get to come in and be the good guy. <laughs> that's fantastic. And Absolutely. Knowing her, that's pretty funny that she would like to play that role. I know. The thing about your office, that, and this has got to be a takeaway that someone could take from you probably, but your office is so diverse and so different in personalities and strengths and weaknesses. And I know you said y'all team interview and whatnot, but – is that something you've done by design or just happened to be that way? Because you and your office manager couldn't be further from, in my opinion. It really, it really just happened that way. I had made a couple of questionable hires, just to be honest with you. I thought we were getting good, good people and we didn't. So I started questioning, obviously, my ability to judge an applicant. So then we started going, I started thinking about that. Well, put my ego aside here. And let's bring let's bring her in and let's bring maybe a couple other people and sit down and and have kind of a group interview, team interview. And it, it worked. And uh, we don't always hit it right on, but it's it's been a better process for us than than just me trying to 
to do it. I, I figured out real quick, um, I, it's not my strength. <laughs> I, I can get a pretty good read, but not a great read. So right. it, it helps to have her. That's incredible. Uh, okay, so while we're talking about your staff, I was going to save this for later, but I got to know. Okay, so now you've got your son in the business. Yes. He's working in the agency, and your office manager, some of your staff there has known him since probably not at birth and early on in his life. Is that strange for them or for you to see your son in the business now working with? You know, how does that work? How does that feel for you as daddy and as owner? Well, it, it is weird because a lot of my staff didn't know him back when he was, you know, just a kid running around up here. Um, it's really strange. I never wanted to force any of my kids to, you know, to come work here. You know, like my dad, you know, I use that. At, he really wanted one of us to come in. Um, I didn't want that. I, I wanted them to, to do what made them happy. And, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to provide that kind of life to where go to college, find what your passion in is and go do it. And, uh, so, you know, like, like most kids, when he got into college, that first year was a little rough for him. So I said, guess what? You're going to come down and when you're not in school, you're coming down to the office and I'm going to put you to work. And I said, this, this isn't your career, but now I know, I know where you are and you can work. Yep. Yep. Uh, not that it was anything real bad. I just felt like we needed to get refocused and I could help him do that. Um, so he's, he worked here through college and everybody got to know him and we quickly saw that his personality uh, was well suited for dealing with clients. And um, when he finished, I went to him and said, so what do you want to do? And, you know, he had some opportunities and he goes, God, he goes, I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of want to stay here and work. And I said, if you, if you're going to do this, we need to make a deal right now. I said, I'm not your boss. I said, you can't come to me with anything. And I made him go to our office manager who we were previously talking about and said, I got them together. And I said, anything you have, you have to run through her. Um, Cause it's not fair. I will always have that dad uh, in me. And so I, I'm going to remove that by making you ask her everything. And so that worked, it worked out really well. I mean, you know, he just became another employee and if he needed guidance, she gave him guidance. So, you know, it, it was, I hope a smart decision on my part. I felt like it was cause I knew I wouldn't be able to manage him like I could manage everybody else. And, and that wouldn't be fair to everybody else. So um, it's, it's worked out. He's really grown and, and done a good job for us. And, you know, they'll tell you there's nobody better in front of the client than he is right now. So, and he's still got a lot of learning. That you brought up that you wanted to take off the boss hat and keep the dad hat on because of too many agencies that bring in son want to take off the dad hat or don't want to just end up taking off that hat, putting on the boss hat. And it makes it difficult for that family dynamic coming from a second generation. My dad and I butted heads quite a bit. And you know my dad yep. uh, as, and my brother. And we both tried working with him. My dad's phenomenal, but it was tough for the for us to work with dad and being boss. So I find that fascinating. That's a smart move on your part to say you're working with her, not with me. She's your boss. Absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, that's definitely a smart move. well, same as you, I went through it with my dad and, you know, there were, there were, we butted heads and, you know, we might have disagreements. And at the end of the day, it, it wasn't my name signing the checks. It was his. So I always had to defer to him. Um, 
And I just didn't want, you know, I, I wanted us not to have a restraint, a, a strain on a relationship because of work. Um, and I didn't want to juggle trying to play it both ways um, because he's my son, but we're also pretty, pretty close friends. And we do do stuff outside of work a lot. And I mean, he's gotten invited on the Vegas trips now. So, you know, we, we, we have a little fun too. But you still got to be a proud pop. See, he, what I know and see, he's had some pretty good early success. And like you said, to see, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. His relate people. And are you working with him on that? Like you talked about earlier, relationships with underwriters, with companies, things like that. Because I noticed you know, we, point to do that when I come in. Yeah, we we talk about it. And, that, and that's kind of our culture too. So, I mean, that's... I expect that out of, out of everybody that works here. So I think he's kind of grown into seeing this is how we do business. He doesn't know how to do it any other way. So I think it's kind of ingrained in him in a little bit. Um, and we've had the, those conversations where, you know, he's seen the way maybe on a commercial deal, how something's been handled and he's watched to see how I'm going to react to it. And uh, so I think he's picked up some things by, by doing that. I mean, I might react to it, around him one way, but then with the carrier another way. So he's, he kind of sees, you know, what you've got to do to make things work. You can't, you know, sometimes you got to give a little bit. So. Um, okay. So you brought up culture again and you know, your office manager and I are friends and I have, I've texted her a couple of times during this and she's told me, uh, and bragged on you during COVID. Uh, and I'll let you see, I want to see if you answer the same way she texted. Is there anything special you're doing for your staff during COVID during this quarantine time, uh, being at the office at home or whatever? Is there anything special you're doing for them? Well, we did a couple of things for them. We've... <laughs> When it first hit and we kind of locked the doors, um, gave the opportunity for people to work from home. Um, some people just came to me and said, I can't work from home. So I was going to be here every day. So I let them come in and we just worked with the doors closed. So I'd go buy them lunch every day. Whoever was here got a free lunch. Um, we also sat down and I talked about it and thought about it and I gave them all. I mean, I know people were mentally having struggles with this as well, the unknown. So we gave them all a little bonus, um, you know, just trying to, to help, help maybe make them feel better for one day. Um, and then, you know, we continually Fridays, we try to get donuts and then we all, we have uh, Sonic breaks uh, where we all go buy them all something from Sonic or yesterday we uh, picked Wendy's and we all got Frosties. So, you know, I mean, I'm trying to keep them healthy too, Heath. I mean, you know, it's, it's all I can do. <laughs> no, it's funny. As we've been talking, she and I have been texting. That's why you see me looking over there and she's told me, and she said, I don't want you to sound like I'm, I'm brown nosing, but I, uh, he's the best boss in my life. And I, that's got to make you feel good. I know you know that, but it's probably good to hear it from somebody else, uh, friend or podcast host, whatever. But is that, is that something you sought out to be? To have that coffee mug that said best boss ever or just kind of happened? You know, I think it kind of happened. I I wanted to be a boss that wasn't hard on his employees, number one. I, I wanted that. I wanted them to feel like they could always talk to me about anything. Um, when, when I first bought the agency, I'm going to go back to you a quick story. And maybe this is kind of what shaped that. Um, I alluded to we were very small staff and very in, inexperienced. And I had to let our most experienced person go. And 
my office manager now was new and working for me. And it was me, her, and one other person. That was it. And workload became very tough. And the person I let go had a real negative attitude in the office. I mean, it was to the point where I hated being in the office. Um, within two weeks of letting her go, the other two employees did this without knowing the other one did. They came into my office and said, I know we're swamped, but I have never been happier working for you than I am right now. And then both of them came to me and said the same thing. And it kind of, that, that stuck with me. So I kind of made it a commitment at that point was look how they they're overworked, but they're enjoying work. Uh, and then that resonated. So we try to do that now. I try, I try to get rid of the overworking part, but I try to make them at least enjoy being here and working instead of, God, I got to go into this tedious job and sit there and be bored all day. So not maybe not be the world's greatest boss, but <laughs> I mean, that, that's not, what I set out to do, but I wanted to make the environment someplace where people wanted to work because, you know, again, we were small. I was competing against large agencies for talent. So, and I've had people stay with me that have been courted by larger agencies that probably would have paid them more money. Um, so I feel like that's a testament to the way we run our ship. So that's kind of how I got there. Yeah. Now I know your office manager's best friend in the world works there with her. Uh, was that something that you did on purpose or that just happened to work that way? Or You know, it, that's we thing. needed, it, it's a kind of a funny story. We just needed another experienced personalized person that, that knew what they were doing that we didn't have to train. We didn't at that point, you know, we were, we were again, kind of overworked and we knew we needed somebody that could come in and pick it up quick. And her friend just happened to work for another agency in town and they were, thank goodness, a little smaller than us. And their focus wasn't on, it was more on a financial end than it was a insurance, uh, personal lines related end. So we were able to have a couple of conversations with her and she was ready to move. She knew that she wasn't getting the support and that that book was never really going to grow. Um, so she wanted the challenge and came over and it's been, you know, great ever since. That's kind of how we got her. It was just that, that relationship and just worked out that way for us. So we got lucky on that one, I guess. She's amazing. You did get lucky on that one. I love working with her. And I'm She's sure. a little ball of dynamite, isn't she? Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, so as we're starting to wrap up, because again, you and I could wrap for an hour probably, but tell me, I love to ask this question at the very end. Um, is there any, anything else you would like to share? Any advice, any soapbox you want to say, anything you want to talk about? Floor is yours for as long as I need to. Uh, I can cut you off if I have to, but <laughs> take time. If you want to address the audience and talk about anything that's on your mind, anything on your heart before we shut down. Well, you know, I, I think I'd go back to our earlier conversation about building that relationship with your carriers. Um, I think you can accomplish more. And if you, if you have that relationship and you have an account that maybe they normally might not take a look at, but if you've treated them well and they trust you, um, they may take a look at something for you that they, and I'm not saying that happens to me all the time, but it has. I've been able to write an account that maybe I couldn't have gotten written anywhere else. Um, and, and, be involved in your association, whichever one it may be, or both of them. Um, it really does. Both associations give back. And, and just to see what takes place uh, and, and how the community of, of independent insurance agents can help each other out. I know it's kind of a weird feeling because 
you're competing against these guys, but at the same time, most of them are good people. And once you get to know them, you care about them and you don't want to see anything bad happen to them. Um, I know that, you know, personally working on the national level at the big eye, we established that trusted choice fund. And I know that eight agencies in Arkansas received money from that. And that, that kind of makes me feel good that, you know, on a national basis, we were able to help, help sustain people. And, and, you know, there's little bitty agencies where the COVID situation could have really impacted their business and to the point where they might have to shut down. We sometimes we forget about that and uh, it's never good. You know, it's never a good thing for somebody to lose their livelihood. Um, So I just encourage you, if you're a a young agent or a new agent, um, get involved and don't be afraid to ask other agency owners like myself for advice because I love giving advice. You know, what, what worked for me may not work for you, but I love talking to new people and if they have a question or in a situation that I've been through and tell them, here's how I went through it and it worked. Um, you know, that's, that's just, I like passing that along. Now that I'm getting a little longer in the tooth, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to, to have those conversations. And I really, I really like to see the new people come in and be successful. As long as they're not taking my book of business, I'm great with them. If they're taking mine. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I hear you. And, so to that point, and I know that about you as well, give, give contact information. Um, tell them how they can find you. If anybody in the audience wants to call you for advice or talk to them about anything, tell them, tell them how they can find you. Sure. Uh, our office phone number here is uh, 479-751-9272. And then my email address, it's kind of long, but it's easy. It's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at and then it's just our agency name, BooneRitterInsurance.com. Um, so feel free to drop me an email or pick up the phone and call me. If I don't answer, leave a voicemail because I will call you back um, and be glad to, to visit with anybody. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm glad you came on with me and we got to catch up. Uh, sometimes I get lost and forget I'm in a podcast just catching up <laughs> and visiting with you. So I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to have to let you run. But thanks a lot for coming hanging out with me in Insurance Town. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and you're doing a good job. I really like what you're doing, Heath. So keep it up. Thank you so much. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me and my man, Brian Kling Scales, today. We had a great time. We laughed. We had fun. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. And I hope the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional today, as that's my goal in every podcast. So um, I wanted to also let you know quickly that this podcast was produced and edited by my man Ryan over at Ready, Said Podcast. If you have not, you need to reach out to him. If you have an idea for a podcast, whether it's knitting or cooking or baking or business, or you want to chase after a certain niche client, or if you just want to hear yourself talk, kind of like I do, <laughs> you might just want to reach out to my man Ryan. He's so good. Ready, set, podcast.xyz. Or you can find him on Instagram or Facebook. Ready, set, podcast. Turning more brilliant ideas into a reality. Thanks again, guys. Look forward to seeing you next week.